Um, yeah, wanted to ask you about Jason Robertson. It's so funny because it's like last year we talked about, you know, how great of a year. And then this year, uh, maybe it's because, you know, Sean and I talked about this, maybe because the goals aren't, you know, coming like they did last year, but I mean, 43 games, 45 points, he's having a good year again. He is, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those, uh, it's just a classic case of, uh, somebody sort of overperforming. Um, shooting hot and and then they don't quite reach that level and we take for granted just how high that level was um you know when, when it was kind of firing on all cylinders and and so yeah Robertson I think you know I, I, like he's not having the year that he maybe already peaked at um but it still says a lot about his game and his ability that this quote unquote down year is going to be a year in which he's basically a point per game winger. And, um, and I do think there, there's some stuff going on. I do think there is, um, you know, like he has, he has taken less shots per game. Um, I think some of it has also kind of come from, uh, come from sort of what the shift in higher quality competition they're also facing this year compared to last year. Um, The, the sort of the the way the blue line minutes have kind of configured into that. So I think there are like small things that are kind of maybe suppressing a little bit of Robertson's game, but for the most part, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's a lot of Robertson is an elite player. And um, when elite players have down years, this is what it looks like point per game <laughs> quality. Yeah. Um, but, um, but overall I, I haven't been, he's had some rough shifts, but I haven't looked at his, body of work thus far this season and felt like, Oh man, this guy is like in serious trouble. No. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I did want to ask you about this. Cause as we talked about a lot of shuffling of the lines and one guy that can't get in the lineup is tied to Landry. I thought it was fascinating what you talked about the other day. Um, you threw some great analytics out that tied to Landry would potentially look good in a trade and that, you know, I just, I understand that you have to fight your way into the lineup. I think Raddick Fox is really good on the kill, um, but I'm just surprised that we're not seeing Delandria more. And I wanted to catch your thoughts. It, it's unfortunate, you know. I think you know one of the reasons why I, I like to kind of um, bring up "quote unquote" fancy stats analytics is that um, you know I, I think a lot of what they capture, you know, people can confuse. I think uh, simplicity with a lack of complexity, and you know what some of these models do is really kind of capture a player's value from shift to shift, not just goal to goal. And so I, I think what that illustrates is that you know we've I, I think Delandria is just woefully underappreciated, um, and that yes, he absolutely has some flaws like the taking of penalties, but I have a hard time believing that. <laughs> that Delandria would somehow be um, a downgrade over Faxa, for example, Yeah, just in terms of cap. But, you know, Delandria is also a player that can PK as well and contribute offensively um, given his minutes. And, I mean, <laughs> I'm like, would L.A. be in any worse shape if they had Delandria on their third line where Pierre-Luc Dubois is, who's making what, like 8 million? Yeah. And it's on pace for like 30 plus points. I mean, like that is, I mean, I don't think Dubois is going to end up being a 30 point player and I think he'll bounce back next season, but yeah. that is not a trade that is Oof. well. 
Oof, yeah, not good for Stars fans that trade because that's ignited Winnipeg, you know. Uh, and you mean to tell me? And you mean to sorry? And you mean to tell me that Delandria could not give you that production in Dubois' minutes in LA? Yeah, well, I love his energy too. I, I love his grit and I love his energy. You know, I do think Sam Steele brings some of that to the table, but you know, I, I really, I really like that. In you know, and I see that in Radic Fox in the playoffs, um, but. You know, I like that in Delon Delandria. I mean, listen, I don't think Fox is um <laughs> was it? no, I mean, because listen, everyone thinks I hate Fox and I don't. I just hate the contract. And I can't blame the player on accepting the contract. It's a wonderful contract for the player. And I don't think he's a liability out there. I just think that you have a first round draft pick that is going to continue to be a restricted free agent. And I think you have a decision to make either trade him or don't re-sign him and you know. Because, I mean, that's a million dollars sitting on your bench. And as we see, every dollar counts. I think the other thing, too, is that if is that, I mean, let's say like Dallas can't really, uh, you know, they sort of they try to improve the blue line. Let's say they bring someone in at the trade deadline and then mm -hmm. they want to keep that person um, in that scenario. You get squeezed with the Fords that you're trying to you know, retain in this case, for example, like Duchesne, Pavelski, Smith. Like in that scenario, Delandria is going to be the perfect player to just slide right into the right side, which is their, which is the area that's going to be hurt the worst, right? I mean, three right wingers, are, or let's just assume that they're gone and that they walk because Dallas can't afford it or whatever. Um, those are three positions, all of which Delandria plays. And it just seems like, hey, you know, if you want to find out what that player's value is, um, which is similar logic to why, you know, we feel like Lundquist should be playing because, well, if nothing else, you learn more about him. Um, yeah. I feel like Delandria is same exact principle where, hey, if Smith isn't here next year, why not play a player? Not that I think Delandria should replace Craig Smith because Craig Smith, I think, has been fine. He's been good. Times. Yeah. But, I mean, if Smith is not here and Delandria is, wouldn't you want to have Delandria here next year having learned more by playing him more yeah yeah absolutely they have decisions to make because obviously bork and stankoven can't stay down again so you have those two players you have delandria so you know jim nill's got some young players and that's a good thing he's got some uh decisions to make uh the one thing i did want to talk about and uh our spits and says listener uh fuzzy fuzzy was a boom boom on twitter um, says Gavin been listening to recent episodes and you brought up a few times penalties, costly penalties in this Kings game. I will say that that is just an ongoing issue and it's people can say the penalty kill and yes, the penalty kill is among the tops in the NHL completely agree. What I'm saying is it changes the momentum of the game. It prevents you know, obviously you're taking certain players off of lines, changing defensive pairings. So it's changing things. And I just think it's a momentum killer. And I, I think, you know, tonight we saw that I'll be at brief. Ottinger made some terrific saves, but you could certainly tell when they took those two straight penalties, you know, the Kings got a little bit of uh, legs underneath them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the other thing too is something worth pointing out. And again, we'll, we'll sort of dig into some quote unquote analytics and just kind of mention that, um, listen, Dallas has been a, right? So in terms of just purely goals against, Dallas is a really good penalty killing team. 
um, in terms of generating offense off the penalty kill, Dallas is a really dangerous team. One of the most dangerous, I, th- I think, uh, in the analytics. What? 10 goals shorthanded? 10 goals shorthanded. In the analytics era, they're like top five in terms of um, uh, shot attempts generated on the PK, right? So uh, you're, re- you're talking about a really dangerous shorthanded unit. Uh, however, um, they allow um, a lot more, they allow a lot of shot quality. A, a higher than average shot quality. So yes, they are, yes, the goaltenders are doing their job. The penalty kill unit, very dangerous, but broadly speaking, they're allowing a lot more than you would think given the goals that they've actually allowed, which is not a lot. The point being that, well, you know, if you're still allowing a lot of chances and suddenly the goaltender is just kind of not there and this is a, play, a seven game playoff series, is that really the uh is that really the chance you want to take yeah yeah i you're you're absolutely right and you know i thought they did a good job in front of cam talbot tonight creating some opportunities you know looking for the rebound um you know it's it's interesting um when a lot of people look at shots on goal and you know it's one of those stats that probably to me I know you're going to say plus minus is the other David, but <laughs> I know you're going to say it. But to me, it's one of those like more deceiving stats. For instance, the LA Kings outshot the Dallas Stars 32 to 28. But clearly, if you watch the game tonight, you saw the chances and the high quality chances and the numerous chances that the Stars had. So when people see like 45 shots on net, It's not necessarily means, you know, I mean, we're talking about high quality chances, chances in tight. Um, Wanted to throw this out at you. Cam Talbot's going to the all-star game for the Kings. The all-star game is a a whole podcast in itself. How weird it is. But 05 and 3 with 20 goals surrendered in his last five games. Yeah, I mean, you know, this, listen, like uh, the (laughs) The NHL is not a meritocracy, right? So, I mean, <laughs> is there, for as much as I want to use that to smuggle in my development rants, the all-star game, just there's a good example. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And Jake Ottinger showed why he should be in the all-star game, even though when you look at his stats this year, you're like, <laughs> I don't understand. Should have been in last year, but oh yeah, there's that guy named Hellebuck. It's just a weird situation. They, you know what they need to do? It's just expand the NHL roster in the All-Star game. Just that to me is what they should do. Uh, all right. At Cuz Rudy, emphatic win tonight. Awesome to see the line changes work. Really refreshing to see lines mixed around. And of course, hindsight is 2020. Awesome to see how it works. So appreciate you uh chiming in, uh, Rudy. You know, it'll be interesting, David, as now they embark on a mighty road trip. Um, if Wedgwood will be back in time. DeBoer said Miro's going on the trip. And so that means if he's going on the trip, we could see Miro on this trip, but we could see if Wedgwood's not ready, possibly a Matt Murray start again. Yeah. And, and listen, just play Matt Murray. Like you're, I realize that coaches have to coach game to game, but Again, it's kind of like we talked about with Ty Delandria's situation. Um, think about like, and I hate using this example because it's really like an example that's meant to be sort of exotic and and sort of like something 
that you would you know hear from Skip Bayless, but um, Vegas did not intend for Aiden Hill to be their starting goaltender in the playoffs. That's a great example, David. However, great example. However, they learned a few things along the way. Injuries forced their hand, sure, but the point is, um, it's not like Matt Murray. You know, for one, Matt Murray is an older prospect, right? He's twenty-five, so you're not talking about like a sort of young, green, uh, fresh-faced goaltender. Uh, who has just you know minimal experience professionally. Um, his even though Matt Murray's save percentage has not been like lights out, it's been very good in the AHL. And um, and he's a goaltender that just I think they if they want to learn anything about him, if they want to find out, for example, say Andrew gets injured again, um, and here we are again with Wedgwood and Murray. Um, if you want to find yourself in a situation where your first choice for backup is Murray then play him some games. I mean, you're not – Dallas is going to be in this, like, uh, sort of life-or-death struggle, uh, top three in the Central the entire season, right? So um, I, I don't think it matters if you drop a game because, like, Murray just, you know, isn't what we thought he was. Right. Um, because, honestly, that stuff is – you know, it's either that or, like, you overwork somebody, in which case you end up right back where you started. Yeah, and I'll also say this, David, just like you talked about Ty Delandria next year, and I know they're worrying about now, but Scott Wedgwood is up after this year. He makes a million dollars. If he wanted to leave this organization after this year, I'm thinking that in the free agent market, 1.5 to 2 million. Yeah, absolutely. 